Good morning, y'all, and happy Lord's Day. Thank you. <laughs> Guys, um, this weekend has been absolutely incredible. I don't know what yours were like, but uh, I spent Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and this morning just finishing up a retreat with 20 married couples, most of them from St. Thomas, but some from other parts of the diocese, uh, even as far as Pensacola, Tallahassee, right there at Lumen Christi. It's a retreat called Domestic Church, and um, man, it, it set me up on fire. I absolutely love what this is about. It's my first time going to it, and man, if I could have every single married couple go on that, um, it's fantastic. So, um, so I'm a, a bit loopy a little bit. Like I haven't gotten a whole lot of sleep. For those of you who go on retreats, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and in the past four days, I've given nine talks and homilies. So uh, <laughs> if I'm a little squirrely, I apologize. Guys, today's, um, today's gospel is huge. Uh, it really, really is. It reminds me of, of something that happened, though, with a buddy of mine, because um, the, the story is pointing forward to the end of the homily, all right? A buddy of mine was given communion now, right, as a Eucharistic minister. And a lot of times the lay people get pretty nervous about doing that. I want to make sure I do the right thing. Father, what do I do if somebody walks up to me and they, you know, stick out their tongue and they put their hand out? What do I do, right? You go, any, many, many, mo. where does Jesus want to go? I don't know. Um, <laughs> But I appreciate the concern of, like, what to do and the reverence right there, right? Well, my buddy, <laughs> he was giving communion out one time, and a guy walks up to him, and he went, the body of Christ, and the guy went, got it. <laughs> I think I'd have punched him. No, I'm kidding. Um, we, we hear that, right? You're just like, huh. Like, I can't believe he just did that, right? There's something inside of us that says you're not supposed to say that. Right? If I would have made you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I said, here you go, here's your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and you went, got it, that's cool, I'm alright with that. But something inside of the Catholic heart says that whenever you reach out for the body of Christ, and you go, got it, mm, some ain't right, some ain't right with that. We're going to get to why that ain't right in a little bit, alright? The gospel is going to lead us to there. Now, where are we at in the gospel today? Well, it's John chapter 12. And Jesus is in Jerusalem. Right before this, what happened was um, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We call it Palm Sunday, right? Jesus comes into Jerusalem triumphant as a king, waving palm branches, and people are singing Hosanna in the highest. He gets off the donkey, and he goes, and now evidently he goes and has this conversation with a whole group of people. And what's going to happen is in just a few days, within a week, Jesus will go to Calvary and he will die a criminal's death on the cross and rise from the dead. All right? So that's what should be in your head. Jesus is preparing for his death. So this is within the last seven days of his life, of what happens in today's gospel. I'm going to jump halfway down and start with John chapter 12, verse 27. Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Now when Jesus speaks of his hour all throughout Scripture, he's speaking about the hour of his passion on the cross. I mean, because think about it. Nobody wants to suffer like that. Jesus is going to go through extreme suffering and die a criminal's death and be nailed on the cross, right? And so Jesus is like, well, what am I supposed to tell the Father? Don't make it happen? No, for this reason he says it's why I came. I came for this hour, so I'm not going to tell the Father that. And listen to what happens. He says, 
So it's like he's having a conversation. Then he starts talking to his father, all in the same conversation. He says, Father, glorify your name. How? At the cross. Glorify your name there, right? And then a voice is heard. The father speaks. He says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Now this is the third time the father has spoken. Once at the baptism of Jesus, remember? The heavens open up, and he says, this is my beloved son. Whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. The second time is the transfiguration when Jesus goes up Mount Tabor and is transfigured before the apostles, or the three of them, and the Father speaks again. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Third time the Father speaks. I, will, I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. All right? This is awesome. And they go like, oh gosh, an angel's talking. And Jesus is like, no, it's not an angel. I didn't hear this voice for my sake. You heard it for your sake. So that they would come to believe in who Jesus is, right? He's about to go die, so remember this. And then Jesus says something really cool. He says, now that is judgment on the world, and the ruler of this world is going to be cast out. Who do you think the ruler of this world is? Huh? Satan, yeah. Satan is the ruler of the world, and Jesus is coming through his passion and death to kick Satan out, debunk his throne, and he will be the king of kings. All right? Okay, so listen to this, how cool. He says in verse 32, And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. Right? So as Catholics, we got to remember, we're, we understand this, but he's speaking to Jews. They don't know what he's talking about, so to speak, in this minute. When he's lifted up between heaven and earth, on the cross, he's going to draw all people to himself. It's the act of Jesus' body being suspended between heaven and earth, that all people will come to him. All the grace is going to flow from the cross. Okay, you getting it? Now, is this the first time Jesus talked about it? Because if you were his apostles, you said, oh, wait, wait, wait. He also said that somewhere else. There was another time Jesus was talking when he said it, and he went, oh, I know, John chapter 3. That's what the apostle would have said, right? John chapter 3, Jesus says something very, very, very similar and pointing to the same thing. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of the leading Pharisees, probably one of the smartest guys in the area, right? You went to Nicodemus like we go to Dr. Brant Petrie. Just please, here's the scriptures, tell me what it means, right? Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus knew the Old Testament like the back of his hand. Here's what Nicodemus, what he tells Nicodemus. He says, as Moses was, has lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that anyone who believes in him might not die but may have eternal life. Right? We know that part, John 3.16. But John 3.14 is Jesus telling Nicodemus that just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so is the Son of Man going to be lifted up. Holy jeez, like this would have blown Nicodemus' mind. Because Nicodemus would have gone, ding, 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 ding. Numbers chapter 21, here we go. What happened in Numbers chapter 21 in the history of salvation? You know, listen to this really close, y'all. Israel was in slavery descent to the Egyptians, right? And they had the great exodus that they came out. And they wandered the desert for 40 years. Y'all remember what happened in those 40 years? The Red Sea split. God started giving them bread that comes down from heaven. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. It was a miracle bread, Right? And they continued to complain. They make a golden calf, right? 
because they think that God left them. So, hey, if we don't know where we're going, we're going to go back to what we used to do. So they go back to what they used to do. So it's in this moment in history of Israel that the serpent gets made. Listen real close to what happens here. Israel begins to complain against God and Moses. Here's what they say. Listen close. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this wretched food. What wretched food are they talking about? The bread, right? The bread that comes down from heaven. They're looking at Moses and said, Moses, we loathe this wretched food. It's disgusting. This bread that we didn't have to make, this bread that just showed up, this bread that we had no effort in doing that we don't even deserve, that gives us every nutrition we need to make it through the day. Yeah, that bread, the bread that came down from heaven that God willingly just gives to you. Yeah, that bread, Moses, is disgusting. We hate it. We loathe this wretched food. I'll be like, jeez. Like if I was God, I would have smoked them. Right? And look, this is what God does. Look at God's action. He, because they said this, it says, Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people to strike them, and they died. He smoked them. <laughs> He really did. These little serpents, these fiery serpents go and they nip at the heels. Pow, pow, pow. And one after another, the Israelites are dying. You think God will stand by and let people talk about the miracle bread as a wretched food and not have some sort of consequence? So, what do you think the Israelites did? Oh, we're sorry. Moses, make a stop, would you please? Hurry, we're dying. Moses, tell God, please, make the servants go away. We're sorry, we repent. Please don't do that again. And Moses goes to God. And this is what God tells him. Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it up as a sign so that everyone who is bitten, when they see it, they will live. And make this a bronze serpent. So that one who looks upon it will live. Okay, so use your imagination for a second. What's taking place? Moses, now there's hundreds of thousands of Israelites, and Moses has to make this bronze serpent that looks like the fiery serpent, and he puts it on a pole, and he lifts it up into the middle of the air, right? It's suspended between heaven and earth, and it's the symbol of their sin. What is their sin? Ingratitude for God's gracious gifts. The wretched food. That's their sin. And so God is sending a punishment upon them. But whenever they look at the same exact thing that's killing them, they're healed. They're healed. Right? They're saved. And you've got to think, it's 100,000 people deep. And they have to look upon it, and they're healed. The symbol of their sins. All right? As Catholics, we should be like, ding, 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 ding. Something's going on here, Right? Why? Well, because whenever Jesus, now that you see that background, whenever Jesus talks about this, when I am lifted up between heaven and earth, that is when I'm going to draw all men and women and children all to myself at that moment. Right? Now, where do we bring this home for us as Catholics? It's right here in Mass, right? There's a reason why the sanctuary has steps going up to it. It's because the sanctuary is supposed to be an image of Calvary. 
And we ascend up to Calvary as the priest. And we come to the altar, right? And it's at the altar that there's four times Jesus is going to be lifted up between heaven and earth. He will be suspended in midair four times. Follow with me, Catholics. The first is whenever I'll say, this is my body given up for you. And he's suspended between heaven and earth in the hands of the priest. It's at this moment that he will draw all people to himself. And all grace is coming out of his body right here. The second time Jesus is suspended between heaven and earth is whenever I'll lift up both the chalice and the, the body of Christ and say, through him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. And the church says, Amen. Third time is whenever the host will be broken and I'll lift him up between heaven and earth and say, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Right? Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. That's three times he's lifted up. What's the fourth? The fourth time. It's whenever I come down here and I will lift up the body of Christ to you. And Jesus, once again, will be suspended in midair 12 inches from your face. And I will say, a symbol of the body of Christ. No. Simple words. The body. Not this is the body. The body. It's a statement. It's not a question. The body of Christ. And at that moment, Jesus is suspended between heaven and earth, face to face with you, and he wants to draw you to himself. This is why you walk up to the altar. It's why you come up here. He's drawing you here. So Jesus is wanting us to come to him in the Holy Eucharist. Why? So that he can pour out every grace that we need. Everything that we need. Right? It's in the Eucharist. He lacks and holds nothing back from us in the Eucharist. He gives the body and blood, soul, and divinity of his very self to us, right? But sometimes, don't we, haven't you heard this? That sometimes we think, oh, that's just not enough. Have you ever heard somebody, they're like, yeah, well, I left the Catholic Church a long time ago because I wouldn't get anything out of it. Do you hear the Israelites? That wretched food. Huh? If we understood what was happening in the Eucharist, we would never, ever, ever leave. Why? You have some people that look at you and go, Father, I left the Catholic Church because I wasn't getting anything out of it. Well, where'd you go? Well, I went down the road because they have cookies and punch and fellowship. You left the bread of angels? You left the body of Christ for cookies and punch? Are you kidding me? Guys, this wretched food. This is where God is calling us, right here. This is the great gift that you're going to receive in just a few minutes. The body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ held up, suspended between heaven and earth. He says, I want to be your healer. I want to be the one that you come to. I want to be the one you pour all of your affections on. I want to be the one that receives you, right? And so the moment that this happens, it's a moment of grace. And yet we can have another spot to do it, right? It's not just in the Mass. It's right there in our own backyard in our Adoration Chapel, right? Right there in the chapel, Jesus is once again suspended between heaven and earth in the Holy Eucharist. And He calls us to come to Him and adore Him. Come and bring me everything and I will be your healer, He says. And so what do we say when we go to the Adoration Chapel? We're like, Father, I don't know what to say. And so we quickly pick up a book and we start reading. Or we put our pods in and start listening to something. No. 
How about you read the psalm today? Psalm 51, right? What if we go to Jesus and we quote Psalm 51? And we look at Him as He's suspended between heaven and earth and we say, Create a clean heart in me, O God. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Oh, wash me more and more from my guilt and cleanse me from my sins. For my offenses, truly I know that my sin is always before me against you. You alone have I sinned. What's evil in your sight I've done. That you may be justified when you give sinners and be without reproach when you judge. Oh, see, in guilt I was born. A sinner was I conceived. Indeed, you love truth in the heart that in the secret of my heart, Lord. Teach me wisdom. Oh, purify me. I shall be clean. Wash me more and more from my guilt. Create a clean heart in me, O God. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Yeah, there's a worthy prayer that as we come before Jesus who's suspended between heaven and earth, how about we come with that prayer? Create a clean heart in me, O God. Renew in me. Once again, a spirit that is strong, a spirit that is steadfast, a spirit that now that will not waver with the shifting sand as the society tells us to move around, but one that is steadfast and will not be budged because of your love for me. Right? Guys, this is the awesome, incredible gift that we have. Let's approach this altar today. When I hold Jesus, a spinner between heaven and earth, right there in front of you, know that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who has been sent to us for our healing and redemption and receive Him into our hearts today in a new way, right? And turning to Him. So if we think that there's any doubt that Jesus is going to remain with us forever, listen to what happens continuing in John 12 in today's Gospel. After He says, I'm going to be lifted up between heaven and earth and I'll draw Him into Himself, this is what happens. The crowd says, we've heard from the law of Moses that the Christ will remain forever. You see, the Jews thought that the Christ, when He came, would be here forever and ever and ever and ever. They would always be with Him. Which is why Matthew chapter 21, when Jesus goes to the Father, He says, I will be with you until the end of time. How does He do that? It's not just, I'm with you spiritually. It's not just, whenever you get lonesome, just FaceTime me. No, I'm with you. I'm with you always in the Holy Eucharist. I'm always there waiting for you to come to me. Suspended between heaven and earth, I would draw you to myself. That's where it happens. That's where all the grace is coming out. That's why you're here today, a church packed, to receive Him. Who wants to be received by us? Amen.